This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Nehemiah. We've been in this series called Rise. We've been talking about reaching new heights in our relationship with Jesus by first returning to our first love. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago, about putting Jesus first in our life. And then we talked about rising by returning to our secret place. And we talked about that last weekend, about having a place set aside that's holy and sacred and set apart unto God, where you can meet with him and he can meet with you. And I said that God is already in the secret place waiting for us to meet him there. That's what Jesus says in the book of Matthew. And today, I want to talk to you about returning to your most holy calling. Say holy calling. Holy calling. calling. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Nehemiah chapter 1. We're going to begin right where we left off last week in verse 8 and 9. We've been looking at the words of Nehemiah's prayer. Nehemiah was a cupbearer or wine taster in the court of the king, King Artaxerxes, the Persian king, 150 miles north of the Persian Gulf, then called Susa, now called modern Iran. And he was serving in the palace of the king. And God had awakened within him the hunger and the desire and the passion to go back to Jerusalem, where his people are from, and build it and rebuild the walls and rebuild the gates and attend to the city. And so Nehemiah, before he does anything, seeks the Lord in prayer. And here's what it says in verse 8. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. Say my name. The name of the Lord is a strong refuge, people. And he goes on to say in verse 10, they are your servants and and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Now, I want to go back to verse 9, which says this, but if you return to me, God makes a deal with his people that if they would return to him, he would do what? He would bring them together in a place where his name dwells a place flowing with milk and honey. Maybe you've heard of it. The Israelites referred to it as the promised land. Say promised land. But before the people could get to the promise, they had to return to him. And so the invitation to all of us, I believe in 2022 is this, return. Return unto your first love. Return to your secret place. And today return to your holy calling. We're living right now in a cultural moment where it's really easy to walk away from your faith and it's really easy to turn your back on God and it's really easy to choose the broad way that leads to destruction rather than the narrow way that leads to eternal life. It's very popular right now to deconstruct your faith and find all sorts of reasons to not believe. A couple weeks ago, I made the statement, don't allow yourself to get sucked into unbelief. Wrestle, question, struggle, go through the things that we all go through, but don't get sucked into unbelief because unbelief is a trap. And I believe that we're living in a moment right now where many people are imploding and exploding and falling apart and falling by the wayside left and right because they've left their first love. 
because they've turned their back on God. And here, through the prayer, Nehemiah is reminding God that God said, if you would return unto me, I will gather, I will bring you together in the place where my name and my presence and every promise is fulfilled. Here's my great concern for us as a church. Not that COVID gets worse, but that COVID gets better. That we would go back to normal, that we would go back to not relying on God as desperately as we have been the last few years. That we would go back to a laissez-faire lifestyle where everything's just all right. And you know what? I don't need God as much as I think I do. You guys remember, for those of you that are a little older, after 9-11, how packed churches were? Remember how desperately people needed God in those moments? Remember in the height of this pandemic when people were freaking out and didn't know what to do and weren't sure if it was going to be Delta or Omicron or Decepticons or whatever transformer comes next? Remember that the sense of fear and maybe some of you are still there. Maybe some of your loved ones are still there. Like, I ain't going out. I ain't going to brave the movies to get the COVID. Remember the sense, the collective sense, the national sense, the cultural sense of fear and panic that grabbed a hold of people? My concern is that things get better and we go back to thinking we don't need God, just like they did. Ah, things are great. God, we don't need you as much as we did when we were in the desert. We don't need you as much as we did when we were in Egypt. We don't need you as much as we did when our ancestors were roaming the land. I believe that God is calling his church to rise, to awaken and to rise. And not just to rise, but to return to him with all of our hearts, with everything that we have. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, the prophet Elijah has a similar message for God's people. They're going through a similar time. And here's what it says. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. You see, I think some of us have been limping between two opinions. We've been tiptoeing around the things of God when in actuality, the calling of God upon our life is to go all in. It's to go all in with Jesus. I like what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He says this, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. I want to say this, it's physically and emotionally and spiritually impossible to serve two masters. It's impossible. No one, Jesus says, can do it. And church, hear me on this. I believe God wants you and I to thrive. He wants you and I to flourish in the way that he's calling us to go, in the way that he's created your heart to live. And I don't believe that you and I were created to have a divided heart, to go limping on between two different opinions. Let's talk about what it means to have an undivided heart. In the Old Testament, Moses had successfully gotten the people out of Egypt. You guys know the story. He'd gotten them out. We sang about it tonight, that very first song. 
But unfortunately, Moses could not get the Egypt out of the people. I wonder if for some of us, when we make the decision to follow Jesus, if part of our heart is still holding on to the things of the world, still holding on to the things that bring us comfort and convenience, still holding on to the things that we want for our lives. I'm wondering if not many of us or some of us might be still wrestling with this division within our hearts. And here we see in Moses' day, people that had been successfully delivered out of slavery and out of bondage and who were still very much prone to those things. The minute they get out of Egypt, what do they do? They start making idols out of their stuff. Moses goes up on the mountain to meet with God and all the people come together and start finding a man that they can follow. And they're like, Aaron, you, you're the guy. Hey, help us. We want to make a God that we can worship. And so they start chucking all their gold and their jewelry and all their stuff that they brought with them from Egypt into the fire. And then they mold this golden calf. You guys know the story. Start making idols out of their stuff. They keep going back in their hearts to that place of bondage. Now, many of us, we look at that and we go like, how extreme. You just went through the Red Sea. You just had all the miracles and the plagues and the signs and the wonders. And we go, how could they do that? You know, you know what? I look at us and I go, oh, we do it all the time, don't we? Our idols aren't golden calves, but come on. We make them out of all sorts of things, don't we? They were just doing what they knew. They were in a culture, a pagan culture in Egypt, surrounded by God and goddess worship. They worshiped the God of the sun. They worshiped Ra. They did all these things. It was normal for them. They'd gotten out of Egypt, but they couldn't get the Egypt out of them. And that's why the invitation to them was to come and worship at his holy mountain. It says in Exodus, the reason, the purpose that God brought the people out of their bondage was so that they could what? Wander aimlessly, do their own thing, live a liberated, free, independent lifestyle. Woohoo, America! No, it was so that they could worship him. This is why the people would go on to struggle and wrestle with this. And it's why a 11-day trip took 40 years. Do you guys know that the distance between Mount Horeb, where the law was given, where the covenant was given, and the promised land, the distance was only 11 days? It was only 11 days' journey. Some of you, it takes you 11 days just to walk up the mountain. <laughs> 11 days. Took them 40 years. Why? Because they had divided hearts. Because they were still limping between two different opinions. We know that God had given them a promise, right? He'd given them a promise to bring them into the land of Canaan, a land flowing with milk and honey. That was a symbolic picture of blessing and fulfillment. But before they could possess the promise, they had to go through a process. Can I say that again for those of you in the back? Before they could possess the promise, they had to go through a process. Next slide, Liam. Next one after that. When God gave the people the promise, what was attached to that? The process. Some of us, we don't like the process. Don't you just wish when you got saved that you could just shortcut, shortcut all the process and just go right into like 
perfection and glorification and sanctification and just, you're there. Many of us get tripped up on possessing the promises of God for our life because we're scared to go through the process. We don't want to be refined like gold in a fire. But that's exactly what Jesus said he'll do to each and every one of us. We see a prophetic picture of that in the book of Revelation. But hear me on this. Every process will bring us to a moment of decision. To a moment of decision. Next slide. A decision to either go all in for Jesus, a decision to surrender our lives fully to him, or to keep limping between two opinions. Some of you need to make that decision to go all in and to not turn back. And tonight we're going to celebrate some people doing just that with baptism, and I'm really excited about it. This is why later, thank you, Liam, this is why later in the story of the Exodus, <laughs> he's so eager, I love him. This is why later in the story of the Exodus, when the people of God were on the verge of possessing the promise and coming into the promised land, it was Joshua, the chosen leader, that had to call them to a moment of decision. He had to bring them to a place where they had to make a choice. We see it in Joshua 24, verse 14. Let's read it. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in what? Faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt. There it is. They were still carrying their stuff, still carrying their baggage, still bringing mom and dad's issues with them and grandma and grandpa's issues with them. And gosh, who knows how long it goes down the generational timeline. Still bringing all their junk and trying to make cute little statues and stuff that they could bow down to. He says, put all that crap away and freaking serve the Lord. Okay, I added that word, but you guys get the picture. <laughs> serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. If it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve. Next slide. Choose this day, whether it be the gods that your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or whether it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. Make a choice. Joshua says, you've got to choose which God you're going to serve. In other words, which master are you going to love and follow? Is it going to be Jesus and wealth? Is it going to be Jesus or politics? Is it going to be Jesus or the opinions of others? Is it going to be Jesus or your boyfriend or girlfriend? Is it going to be Jesus or social media? You've got to make a choice. We got to make a choice. Church, I believe it's time for us to make a choice. It's time for us who say that we're followers of Jesus to stop wandering around in the desert of our lives, limping between two opinions and give our hearts fully to him. Why? Because there is a holy calling upon our lives. The title of my message tonight is this, Return to Your Holy Calling. Return to Your Holy Calling. Let's talk about it. We see it implied in the words of Nehemiah's prayer, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 10. Verse 10, They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. So what's the calling? What's the mandate? Evidently, our holy calling is simple. It's to become his servant, to serve the Lord and worship him only. Where have we heard those words before? 
Jesus in the middle of his fast in January in the desert. The devil comes to tempt him. And trust me, the devil knows the word of God, folks. He'll use it against you. And he tries to use it against Jesus. And Jesus says, it is written, you will what? Serve the Lord and worship him only. The calling is to serve. I love the Hebrew word for servant. Are you guys ready for it? It's the word ebed. Say it with me, ebed. And it means this, to be bound to or to serve. The word serve is abod. So you're in a bed if you abod. You're in a bed if you abod. And that means to be bound or to serve the interest of another or to worship. It's the word that we get worship from. Can I tell you something? Slaves are not in charge of their own lives. Slaves serve at the pleasure of their master. And in the same way, we are called to serve at the pleasure of our master and King Jesus, meaning our lives are not all about us. Now that might come as a shock to some of you, but your life is not about you. I know. No one's ever told you that. You're welcome. It's not all about me. It's not me and the sun revolves around me. That's not how it works. Because I didn't create myself, God did. I didn't save myself, God did. I didn't call myself, God did. Which means that your life and my life are not really our own because we belong to Jesus. And if you belong to Jesus, you are his redeemed. The origin and the root of the word redeem used here in this same verse is the word pada. Put it up there, Liam. Pada. Say it with me, church. Pada. And it means to set free or to loose by way of a paid for price or ransom. The word is actually, historically speaking, taken from the context of the slavery market where people would pay to purchase or redeem back slaves at auction for a particular price. That's the imagery that Nehemiah is invoking here. He's saying before the Exodus, you were once slaves to Pharaoh and God, the great rescuer and the liberator came and redeemed you to himself. He set you free and loosed you by way of a paid price, by way of a high price. This might seem controversial, But can I tell you something, church? You have been bought with a high price. And that high price is the blood of the spotless lamb. His name is Jesus. Jesus shed that blood on that cross for you to redeem you back to himself. To redeem you, to lay claim to you, to pay the price, to bring you back to himself by way of his blood on that cross. He did so to bring you out of the slavery of sin and death and darkness. He did so to bring you into God's family and marvelous kingdom of light, which means that you and I, those of us that have put their faith in Christ, if you have put your faith in Christ's atoning work, his redemptive work, you now belong to him. Your life is no longer your own. So when you get up in the morning, rather than saying, what do I want to do? You should be saying, King Jesus, what do you want me to do today? Holy Spirit, what do you want to accomplish in my life at work today? How do you want me to treat my employees? How do you want me to treat my coworkers? How do you want me to share your good news? We are the redeemed of the Lord. We are what Paul calls slaves to Christ, 
meaning we're his servants, his own possession. And as a result, we are given a new identity and a holy calling. Say holy calling. A holy calling in him. Peter would refer to it in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 this way. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for what? God's own possession. You don't belong to yourself. You're not just some free dude or dudette running around doing your own thing anymore. That's not who you are. You're his. Did you catch all the language he uses? This is strong language. Chosen, royalty, holy, set apart, sanctified, his own possession, his property. You belong to Jesus. And for what purpose? Why do we belong to him? Why would God go through all the trouble to set us free from our addiction, to set us free from our bondage, to set us free from sin, death, and the devil? Why would God do this? The rest of verse nine goes on to tell us that you may proclaim the excellencies. That word means praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The purpose of God calling you and I out of darkness and into light was so that you and I could proclaim his praise and bear forth his glory in everything we do. Whether you're a police officer, a business owner, a lawyer, a chef, come on. You were made to proclaim his praise, to bear his glory. And this makes it a holy calling church which is why I believe we need to return to it. We need to grab a hold of it. We need to take ownership of it and stop abdicating our role to other people or just the professionals or just the pastors or the teachers. Come on. He's appointed apostles and pastors and teachers and evangelists and prophets to do what? To equip the saints. That's all of you for the work of ministry. What is that? To serve, to be his servant, to be his ebed and to abode him. And to do so with an undivided heart, with a heart that belongs to him. Because this is who we are. We are his servants. We are his holy people. We are his chosen. We are his royal ones. We are the anointed of God. We are his ambassadors. The word ambassador means representative. So my final question for us is this. How are you representing Jesus to your world? How are you representing Jesus to your LGBTQ friends? How are you representing Jesus to your uncle and aunt and your cousins and your neighbors and those that look like you or don't look like you or think like you or don't think like you? How are you representing Jesus well in your world? I believe that we need to make a choice. It's time to choose which God you're going to serve. Is it going to be Jesus or is it going to be other things? Why? Because the time is running out. The hour is growing late. You guys, we're in the beginning of the end times. I don't know if you've noticed it lately. Jesus said there will be earthquakes. Volcanoes will erupt. Things will happen. And then the end is not yet. Those are just the beginning of the birth pangs. So whether we're 10 years out or 100 years out, I don't know. People ask me that all the time. We have good conversations about it but we're in the end times, which means the hour is running late. Time is running out. We've got to make a choice. May you and I respond with our whole hearts like Joshua did. 
in verse 15. But as for me and my house, next slide, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, I hope that's your heart. I hope you've made that decision. And I hope that you'll go on making that decision day after day after day after day as you return to your holy calling. It's time to serve him well, church, because we've got work to do. There are people in our world that need Jesus. And we're not gonna stop until we get the good news out, until we share the goodness and the greatness of who our God is with others. And that's the invitation. If you wanna be a part of what God's doing with this church, that's the invitation to help people become courageous followers of Jesus, to love him and to follow him, to serve him well in the earth. And if you believe that tonight, say amen, amen. and amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the calling to be your chosen people, your holy ones, a royal priesthood, a people set apart who look different, smell different, act different because you've done something different in our hearts. We're not just managing our sin because Jesus, you crucified it already. What we're doing is we're accepting the invitation, the divine invitation to be strong and courageous, to step out of our mundane living and status quo life and live a life of faith, a life of boldness, a life that says, I'm going all in for you and I'm not holding back. I'm not gonna go on limping between two different opinions anymore. I'm gonna serve you and you alone. I'm gonna worship you and you alone because you have redeemed me. And if there's anybody here tonight that hasn't made that choice to serve the Lord God, whoever's watching online or listening to this message, I want to give you the opportunity right now to do so, to make a choice. The Bible says, choose this day whom you will serve. So Lord, let this be your day of salvation for those that are ready to make that choice and go all in with you. Let's pray. Jesus, Savior, save me. Save me from the things that keep me bound. I believe and confess that you're the son of God. I believe and confess that you died on that cross for me in my place and that you were raised to life again on that third day. I ask that you come now and be the Lord and savior of my life. Be my redeemer, be my rescuer, be my liberator. I wanna serve you. I wanna declare your praises. I wanna tell others about what you've done for me. Come and give me a new life of freedom and hope and do it today in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said amen and amen. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at CourageousChurch.com.